0: Welcome back to Bringing New Ideas to Life and part two of the discussion between Alex McPherson of Ignition Law and Steve Cleverly, CEO of Oxentia. This time round, Alex and Steve will be discussing more about the timing and types of legal support that startup and scale-ups typically require, Ignition Law's own B-Court certification journey and the common pitfalls which you can try to avoid during scaling up a business. So we hope you enjoy this episode and please do get in touch with us if you have any questions. Enjoy!
1: It's interesting for us to reflect on when we wish we had sought legal advice and it's probably... The answer is always a few weeks ago. Um, it's always before the issue um, you know, becomes a, 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 you know, a major, a major source of concern. So I think I would certainly advocate always talking to legal counsel early um, when any such issues arise. <laughs> I think that's. Right. I mean, I think certainly our property team and
2: disputes team bang that drum a lot and say, you know, it's always early, even than us sort of corporate lawyers. Um, yeah, think of actually, it's it's much better to, to to get in early. Corporate commercial law, truth be told, you can you can sometimes bootstrap a little bit longer, but but it can fundamentally change the calculus if you've got a dispute bubbling away, mm-hmm. um, the correspondence that's being sent, whether it's open correspondence, whether it's legally privileged, the, the, the strategy about what one's yeah. writing, and, we, and we've had that ourselves. You know, it's not for a second that we're in an ivory tower. We've had that where issues have arisen internally, and there are perhaps emails that aren't perfect and, and you very much um, aren't, aren't drinking your own Kool-Aid, but <laughs> that's part of it.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, how tailored does legal support need to be for each each uh, scale-up? and um, What value do you feel that adds? Um, I think with
2: scale-ups, it's there's definitely some areas where it needs to be bespoke. So certainly to, to, to give a practical example of a, a, a client that's that's engaging this afternoon, they are very sophisticated um, property entrepreneurs and, and they've got a really clear idea about what they want and, and more importantly what they don't want. And so in that case there's some real red flags as to what our advice mm-hmm has to be. And, and to be specific, they've got their version of what constitutes a good joint venture agreement. And it's really important that mm-hmm. even if our house view were to differ, that we listen to them and and, 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 and respect their, their views, because they're moving law firms a, as a result of that perhaps not happening b- before. So... W- very bespoken in, in that instance, even if it 's not the world 's most complicated piece of advice it, it, the, the client needs to feel listened to, and actually that their commercial decisions are, are are paramount in other cases, especially earlier along the road that there, there can be a need for a little bit more hand holding so perhaps saying listening extremely carefully but 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 saying this is probably an area you really want to focus on. So to be specific in, in a, a SaaS or a software-led business, areas such as intellectual property and the way those clauses are dealt with in consultancy agreements or employment agreements or B2B agreements, those areas probably one would proactively flag as, um, as really needing instructions or guidance on what is a, a house view. But there are other areas such as confidentiality agreements or um or, or, or certain regular commercial agreements even some areas of employment agreements where one can perhaps be a little bit more um certain as to what constitutes a n- normal practice or a sensible view mm-hmm. um so it can be less less bespoke in those areas
1: yeah no, it is interesting in and i think you reflecting on the last six or seven years of our journey um the number of times that we've had to call upon you know, ignition law and yourself for support for all the way back to business transfer agreements, and shareholder agreements, um, trademarks, uh, the lease on this building, HR support, or, or even reviewing our uh, times and conditions in our, in our contracts. So um, yeah, I think that legal support has been invaluable a number of times throughout the growth of our our, our business at Oxentia.
2: Thank you, Steve. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. And it's, I mean, increasingly there's, there's more work we're trying to do of um, help, helping clients... Um, start to skill up themselves and bring things in-house because mm-hmm. that necessarily is part of the journey. So th- there's more and more work we're doing on a kind of know-how programme and practical training and materials and, and also giving away some tools and templates mm-hmm. because um, b- bright clients, quite rightly, are wanting to bring more and more in-house. And as, as they scale, as Upsentia as, as is, it's, it's, it's quite right that there's more house views and house template agreements going mm-hmm. on um, I, th- I think one area of mutual collaboration is starting to work out with clients what constitutes the correct form for, say, an Oxentia B2B agreement, what the clause is that you would give ground on, what, what you wouldn't mm. give ground on. And and that's that's quite, quite an interesting area where clients more and more are um, recording things in-house. So we we won't give an, an uncapped indemnity or we limit our liability or our terms of termination we're very careful on. Um, and actually that's an area where more and more that can, that can migrate in-house to
1: mm. keep a handle on risk, really. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, one, one thing you touched on earlier um, was around the, the structure of, of ignition law. And did you make your transition now to, to, to be a B Corp? Um, what were, the, what were the, the drivers behind that decision? Um, it's a really
2: good question. I, I'd say, I'd say the journey to becoming more of a values-led business was wasn't part of the strategy in twenty fifteen. That, that that evolved on the on on, on the fly, um, and I i I'd, I'd say it was born out of a lot of clients. T- to be honest, being re- really nice, really pleasant to deal with, having a real clear set of values in the SME community. And expecting the same out of us, and that and that was coincidental to the fact that there were a lot of lawyers that um, were disproportionately women. Although there's several back to work dads in in, in ignition, um, a lot of lawyers who, ironically, had set their own businesses up and felt they were struggling to, get, to do legal uh, provide legal services or, uh, as well. So there was there was this whole coincidental opportunity to work with an extraordinary talent base. That 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 maybe wanted to work a little bit more flexibly, um, and almost without exception, all of our clients provide the communications are clear and are proactive and are very responsive and obviously the, the advice is very good. Clients really relate to the way um, that the that the lawyers wish wish to work. So I think that led us into a place where w- we felt we had really, really, really interesting clients, and incredibly talented lawyers working in a slightly more flexible way and and that very much led us towards that there's 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 clearly some values-based logic to the business going on and certainly a couple of clients were becoming b corps Um, even our bank had become a b corp And, and and one client in particular runs a esg and b corp consultancy and, and they flagged, you know, you, you guys really ought to take this very seriously. And It's more of an undertaking than perhaps um, what one might realise in a pre-existing business. It's quite a long road to get everything sorted. But we've been going along it for about 15 months and about ready to submit the application um, this week or next week. And what's been really fulfilling about it is all the little changes you make, We've we've tended to all agree with. So improving uh, medical and dental care for the, for, the for, for all the employee team having a lot of client products in the office being mindful of what's sustainable so uh, coffee pods being compostable and then realizing actually we've got a client that does those and, and these sorts of things have led us into a really nice place where there's no end of client stuff in the office and people really engage with what's what's going on and and equally then, that's got a lovely cross pollination of us recommending clients to people. Um, so I think that's really how we sort of got into it, to be honest with you. Um, and it's yeah, it's great. It's yeah, a long road, but a good road.
1: <laughs> do, do you see it as an increasing trend in the in in the market? Today? I think so. I think the UK, if I remember rightly, the UK
2: hit quite recently about a thousand B Corps have been approved. And there's quite a lag because there's a lot going through the process, but certainly it's 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 full tilt, and there's a lot more coming through. I, th- I think that's that's very fair. I mean, there are other um, ways of 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 demonstrating being values led. So there are a lot of clients that are. I suppose, what one, one might call social enterprises, and have got certain pledges and commitments, to, whether it's the environment or reinvestment of profits, mm-hmm. um, and that's, that's huge as well. And is actually very analogous to a, becoming a B Corp, you know, an ethically-oriented business.
1: It's a fascinating area, and so I think mm. that we're, we're certainly exploring ourselves. So, yes, I guess a question around um, pitfalls, actually, Alex. Um, what what are the common pitfalls that you you see clients coming to you with as as they undertake their scale up journey? Are there any common themes that you? you
2: yeah, there are, and we've definitely got a lot of them wrong ourselves as well, um, and 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 learned the hard way on them. I mean, I think there's two things. There's probably a raft of recurrent pitfalls, and then there's also it being a tougher environment. Uh, at the moment, economically, which which is also leading to some very clear pitfalls um, to, to avoid. On on the former, I'd say there are areas such as um, not not papering stuff and not having contracts in place properly. And that's not to say that one should have contracts in place everywhere. For smaller courses of dealing, as we call them, you, you can you can definitely bootstrap and get away with it, but clients, tech heavy clients perhaps not having a a, a a binding contract in place on a really material agreement, um such as a sort, you know, Oxentia, uh, most certainly papers very very sensibly, but a business like that, if you if you're early and you've bootstrapped and something goes wrong, you you've not got anything to dig out. And and one area that's a really common pitfall is um is intellectual property. So if If you've not recorded who owns what and that could, that can go wrong but especially with a consultant type relationship because the law assumes that the consultant owns it and that the that you that you only have a, a mere license to it often so that that's a common area um, i I'd say um, with, with employment not recording employment contracts properly is is, is key um, i I'd say funding rounds people. And, and this brings us on to the second part, where there are more pitfalls in a trickier environment. Um, early stage entrepreneurs in in businesses that, that are perhaps more reliant on lots of funding rounds than Oxentia or us, um, taking quite aggressive terms mm-hmm. is is really tricky. Um, and we've seen this quite recently with 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 a, with a business that um, has, instead of perhaps also interrogating their investors. That's Series A, post-seed Series A. They've acquiesced to quite punchy terms. So losing control of the board, um, accepting what we call down rounds. If, if the valuation doesn't keep going up, uh, the, the investors gobble up more and more of the shares and the control. Um, using quite aggressive debt, where what one can um, be beholden to a debt instrument. If if, mm. if there's a breach or a default, those sorts of things are more um, are very tricky pitfalls that you see more in a recession, where yeah. um, where one often the startup or the scale up at an earlier stage needs to negotiate very hard and, and remember that that it's a two way relationship and it's important that investors are going to hopefully follow on and be there in mm. a loyal way for for yeah. the course rather than. Just getting through an early stage round and yeah. then being I- exhausted. Um, uh, so, I th- so I think that um, yeah, that's a key area.
1: Um, that's that's very interesting. And, and I guess the analogy people tend to use is starting or entering a business is a bit like getting married. Mm. You you go in, you're all excited. You don't necessarily think w- what could possibly go wrong. That's right. And uh, I guess it, it's taking that legal advice very early on to think of of the what if yeah. circumstances. I,
2: I think it's a really good. It's a really really good point, Stephen. I think. Um, even if even if early-stage clients, this happens quite a lot, decide we're not ready for legal spend, boot, boot, bootstrapping and recording a um, back-of-a-cigarette packet recording of it, 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 those are quite interesting to see sometimes because early-stage entrepreneurs have often thought of everything and they've got a really good relationship where they've said, look, if we fall out or if we're going separate ways, this is what will happen. And in a funny old way, that's, that's often as good as a a legal document mm-hmm. and it's and it's something that certainly with early stage business we try and share documents and guides so they can be informed to mm-hmm. to at least have that discussion. Because if you've had that chances are you'll be better placed should something not, not go according
1: to plan. Yes, very very invaluable advice for, for many of the spin-outs and startups and entrepreneurs that we that we work with ourselves. So with that Alex I'd just like to thank you very much for your time this afternoon and for sharing your valuable experience with us.
2: Thank you, Steve. Thanks so much for having me in your beautiful offices in lovely Oxford. Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. We hope you've enjoyed this two-part exploration of startup and scale-up businesses and the legal support they require during their growth phases. If you have any questions, then please do get in touch with us at ideaspod at That's ideaspod, all one word, at and we'll get back to you as soon as we possibly can. Thank you very much for listening. Take care and bye for now.